What's going on? Welcome back. Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast, episode 44. We are without Mr. JT. That's why I, Frank, am doing the intro with Lunas, with Jake. Uh, For those watching on the tube, we do have JT there in spirit to a certain extent. Yes. Uh, You still give us his Yeah, you see my drawing skills on display. But let's get right into it. I'm not sure if you guys watched uh, are watching on the VOD, but... I'm not watching on the VOD right now. I can only imagine. It's a sight to see. All right, but let's move (laughs) into it. So we did the... We'll talk about NQ Harry. I forgot about that. So quick takes. NQ Harry, kind of like a two-part question I'm going to ask you guys. One, can he rebound? Two, is he worth anything? Is he worth anything like with fi- with Dy- uh, with Dynasty? Or you mean like real this life? This is the Dynasty thing? podcast, Lewis. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, in Dynasty, uh, maybe like a fourth. Even I, then, I'm like, not giving any of my. I was going to say, even then, like I, I was trying to think, like what I, I was like, I might just take a fire on someone in the fourth. Um, I'll go like a later half fourth, like an end of the fourth round. I'll, I'll say that. What are you feeling? Uh, I mean, like, sure. I'm not giving maybe. a third for Nikhil Harry. I mean, like, listen, he has the potential. He was a first-round pick. Everyone saw him play. He's been absolutely terrible. At it. That might even be an understatement with the Pats. So unless he gets does get what he wants and moved or cut and signed somewhere else, um, it's not worth it for me. Demir Burt uh, was out playing him. <laughs> I, I know. It's not worth the roster spot. Like, I think that's the problem with me is not even whether – like, I don't want to give up draft capital for a guy I can envision cutting. You know, like, yeah. think about it. Um, Tim Patrick is a guy that I would much rather have than NQ Harry, and that's a problem in terms of well, – like, yeah, not that Tim Patrick's a bad that. player. It's just, dude, if, if I would easily, like, no questions, take Tim Patrick over you, that's how you know, like, dude, you're way at the end of the roster, bud. And it's very bold for him to the demand a trade. Patriots might just be like, okay, we'll just release you. If it wasn't for that first round contract, they probably would have. But the first round contract, they don't want money. Dude, the only way I could see myself throwing any draft capital at him is if he gets like the shiniest landing spot of all time. All of a sudden, it's Where's like, what? He'd have to go like Kansas City. The Chiefs, yeah. Like the, maybe the Chiefs. Even He'd then, have to it's go like, to Kansas bro, City. I, don't know, I don't know if I want to. Okay, maybe I'll actually spend the fourth if I desperately need a receiver. I just think that I would rather spend actual draft capital on better receivers. You know, like I'd rather either just take the dart throw or if I'm going to trade a third or a second, like, dude, I'm just going to get an actual guy. Third or second? Oh, my Lord. I phrased that poorly, right? I'm not going to give a third or a second for kill Harry. I would rather trade a third or a second for, for like a receiver, receiver you know is productive. Trading four for NQ Harry because mm-hmm. I'm worried that I'm just going to drop NQ Harry in the middle of the season. Yeah, no, it's a very fair concern. And it's you can't put him on concern. your taxi if you trade for him. So, yeah, true. But all right, any other takes on NQ Harry? Uh, not really. Shame the Patriots no. picked him, and then AJ Brown was the next receiver taken. <laughs> like, dude, people want to call Hollywood Brown a bust. Like, dude. There's, there's, yeah. Holly, like, Hollywood Brown is pa- miles ahead. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> the Patriots would kill to rather have Hollywood Brown instead of Nikhil Harry. 
All right, so we got second round mock going on. That like, I guess we'll move into the first actual segment. So last yeah. episode, we did the first round mock. There's a video that's specifically on the YouTube if you're interested in that. We're moving on. We're going to go through every single round the next couple of weeks, heading up until the season. So we have the second round mock, second round big board. For those watching on YouTube, it'll be on the screen. Oh, let me get JT. Actually, JT, you're chilling. You can be on the screen, man. Um, he's, if he's, J- he's, he's JT's pretty grumpy. Is he, he in the chat? I'm not sure if he's in the chat. So. My drawing of is. him is on the screen, and he's already unhappy with Jake's takes. Oh, man. With me? When isn't he? Yep. Yeah, with you. <laughs> you you and JT are always feuding. But let's get I into it. Last, last episode, they, they, they've been kind of on the same It's been Frank and Jake. I mean, sorry. It's been JT and Jake against me and you, Frank. All right, but let, let's get into the second round mock, second round big boards. Um, first things first, I think that Travis Etienne <laughs> should have been in the first round. JT he had Rashad Bateman as like the first pick in the draft, so that kicked Etienne out of the first round of our consensus mock, all, which is ridiculous. All three of us had Etienne in the first round and Bateman not in it. It's just that JT's ass had Bateman at 106. And that alone gave him more first round points because we all had Bateman around like the last two picks of the first round. Uh, I believe just... in our actual mock and not our individual rankings, uh, JT took him at 112. So that's why ETN's fallen here. And I think Lunas, he started off because JT's not here at taking obviously Travis ETN, which should be a first one in this, in, this, uh, in this mock that we did. I think we all agree he's a first round talent. I've seen him go as high as 107. I more personally rather take him around 110 to 112. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we all can agree he should have been in this first round. So easy pick here at 201 for Loon. Yeah, okay. he's a late first rounder. Yeah, aside from the the just like, okay, Travis Etienne being out of the first round, the first thing I think is apparent about the second round is that the first four picks are just cash money. Their first round, and that's, that's including Bateman, who would normally be in those first picks instead of ETN here. Um, because he went 112 in ours, but I think in a lot of leagues, he will slip into these first four picks. And you'll see when as we go through it who the other three are here. Um, the first of which I took at 202, which was Elijah Moore. He's a guy I've liked for a long time, I think he's a fantastic wide receiver, fell into a good spot. With you know Zach Wilson at quarterback, uh, a lot of people are may shy away from him just because of the, he, he's on the Jets. Um, I don't think that's the case. He's super talented, and with playing with a super talented quarterback and Zach Wilson, I think this is a great great potential spot for Elijah Moore. And think he's at two hundred two. I think he could end up being one of the best receivers in this draft. Yeah, I love I love Elijah Moore at 202. I think with all of us taking uh, ETN in the first round, Elijah Moore, I think, is all three of us 201 pick. Um, I know I have him above Bateman in my personal rankings. Uh, I'm a huge fan of if you can get Elijah Moore at the top of the second round, that's a great pick. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think the last thing I want to add for Elijah Moore that, you know, he's an unbelievable route runner, but one thing that you saw with Zach Wilson at BYU, I mentioned this on an earlier pod, is that, him and Dax Milne had a really nice connection when the play would break down, and Zach Wilson likes to escape the pocket probably too much, similar to Kyler Murray to a certain extent, and Baker Mayfield when he was coming into the league. They would leave clean pockets, but at the same time, 
when you have a receiver like Elijah Moore, I feel like it really fits his skill set. So that's one of the reasons why I think that Elijah Moore could be really successful out the get-go. But I want to talk about the other Moore, the Moore that is being more slept on. Yes, Ooh. shoot me. Um, that was just well, too uh, I'll shoot. I'll shoot you some more. <laughs> All right, you're done. You're done. I'm, <laughs> you. I'm kidding. Um, Rondo Moore, though, because Rondo Moore is a guy that I absolutely love. Um, I've seen that a lot of the data analytics models, at least the ones that I believe in, like both of the Moors. I still think I'd rather have Rondo Moore over Elijah Moore at, mm. at this point. Am I crazy, or is that so? I really I just... like I really like Rondo Moore too. And for me, like going off my first round mock, where Etienne's in the first round, the top three picks of the second round for me, in whatever order you want, are both of the Moors and Trey Sermon. I just I can't put him over Elijah Moore. Ooh, I might include Bateman in that in that group as well. Bateman is in the four to six range for me. I have four to five. He'd be one of the next two. But the two Moors and Sermon are my favorite top of the second round. So I do like Rondo Moore a lot. I think they're going to use him well in that Arizona offense. I'm excited to see uh, the different ways they get the ball in his hands. But I can't put him over Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, I just I just love. The thing about Rondo Moore is he's an athletic freak. People are going to point to his size, and he wasn't as big as, as people wanted him to test. But uh, or, or measure, excuse me. But like the dude was an absolute stud at, at Purdue. I mean, he's going to an offense that has uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, and it has Kyler Murray at quarterback. I, I people are going to say, oh, they signed AJ Green, Christian Kirk's still there. No, the guy that's the number two receiver in Arizona will be Rondell Moore. He's just too talented, and that's why I think he's it belongs in the top half of the second round, if not sneaking into the first if you like him that much yeah ask that uh ask that ask that uh ohio state secondary when they played ronda <laughs> moore who was a true freshman if they think he's too small um I, exactly I yeah, exactly. ask them if they think he's too small i know in our in our home league that we're all in and in general i think that 203 and 204 are just phenomenal picks because in yeah, most drafts nowadays i like 203 i well just because i'm not as high on bateman i don't love 204 as much yeah but so bateman I'm, bateman consensus goes 201 or 202 like oh then if that's the case then yeah i love 203 and 204 someone's gonna take the bait on bateman earlier than jt I think, uh <laughs> well, JT takes him at one of freaking six. <laughs> and then I tough. I mean, I yeah. love 203 and 204 because I get to choose between Rondo Moore, who just talking about, and Trey Sermon, who yeah. I've still I, I think he's getting a little bit more traction now. Trey Sermon to me is a great, great, great value pick. I personally think he's closer to Travis Etienne than Travis Etienne is to Javante Williams and Najee Harris. JT's gonna gonna put his fists in the air and say that. <laughs> Najee Harris shouldn't be a first-round pick. That's why he's grumpy. That's why I drew him grumpy on the screen because we'd have some takes. Yeah, I, I, I saw the about. picture of him. It's it's, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> JT has Najee Harris for reference on his big board at pick two hundred three, uh, which is just crazy. Where does he have Devonte Smith? He has at two hundred six. Those right. are two guys that will always go in at ninety-nine percent of every of people's first. They're rounds. both in the top ten. Yes, Easily. if not yes. top ten, like top. 11. I don't know. I've seen drafts where, if like if you have people that like Waddle and Bateman a lot, which I know a lot of the community does, that Devonte Smith sneaks into the second. Najee Harris is in the first round every single draft, though. 
Yeah. Yes, and that, and that's more of the one I'm concerned about. Even Devontae Smith. At yeah, well, I want to talk about Trey Sermon. Screw, screw these. Uh, we've talked about the Bama boys. Why are we now. talking about JT? He's not even on today. Trey Sermon is the boy. I absolutely love Trey Sermon at his ADP. I think that especially when you – because Trey Sermon, right now, his ADP and his draft stock and his value is way closer to Michael Carter and even closer to Kenneth Gainwell than it is to the first-round running backs. And to me, I think that that's a value difference that dynasty managers – like every single player in, in both formats, redraft and dynasty, should take advantage of because I truly do think that Trey Sermon has a skill set, has the talent, and is in an unbelievable opportunity to put up just shy or even reach a thousand yards, right? A thousand total yards. I think he is definitely a spot that he can reach, especially if he hits the hot hand. Shanahan is a guy that hits the hot hand. He's gonna he's a creative run scheme kind of guy. He traded up for Trey Sermon. He's got a plan for Trey Sermon. And, dude, to be completely honest, once Mostert is gone next season, because I'm assuming he's going to be gone, yeah. um, Jeff Wilson just tore up his knee. That backfield could be his to a certain extent next year. And Jeff and Wilson's fact, a free agent. You get him agent in the second round. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And Jeff Wilson's a free agent after this season, I'm pretty sure, also. Um, he so, is. but uh, I mean, when has Shanahan ever gone with one running back? I mean, I that, do that think was going to be Devontae that was... Freeman was the RB one when he when he, I just, that was because I just he had like fifteen touchdowns. I just, I just don't think he's ever had a running back just as like talented as Trey Sermon. Like if you look at a lot of these other guys he's had, uh, McKinnon could never stay healthy, and he was never fully the same after his injury. Um, Mostert, it was wasn't he an undrafted free agent? If not, yes. he was a very yeah. low round pick. Yeah, was. Jeff Wilson, same type of player. Like he's never had a running back with like, um, uh, that kind of draft value talent. So I think we've seen him invest in that. And I was gonna bring up the next point. If I'm drafting Trey Sermon, I'm trying to think where, and I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. If I draft Trey Sermon, let's just say I have an early second. Let's say I have like a top four pick in each round. Are you guys looking at Elijah Mitchell top of the fourth? Top of the I fourth, think easy. Yeah, I was I mean, gonna say. Yeah, I don't think he'll last that long, but yeah, if he's there. I mean, I. I it third. just sucks that honestly, to me, it sucks that Elijah Mitchell went to the 49ers because he was one of my favorite sleeper running backs this year, simply because of the fact that as a receiving back, he has insanely quick hands. He has yeah. like, and you do not see that from running backs all that often, how he's able to find the football. And dude, and, and that 49ers scheme, like that is important when you're getting the rid of the ball quick and, you know, you're going from pass pro to flashing out, like you got to be on the same page at your quarterback. And I think that that could be really big for this offense. Now at the same time too, that Trey Sermon is, is a receiver as well. So I, I personally think that, the Shanahan offense, we've seen it before. It's He's one of the only coaches that can actually sustain two running backs. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case here, but I don't think that that's a reason to say, oh, well, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell shouldn't be sought after and shouldn't be, you know, bought at their current prices. I think that that's just – it's a mutually beneficial relationship. You saw the report the other day. They want to get 500 rushes between their running backs. 
that's yeah. a, if any, I want to invest in these guys because I know it's a coach that believes in pounding the rock. He's the only guy that really does it. Like Sean Payton will do it. There's like a handful of coaches, but if the running game is working, Kyle Shanahan will gladly only run the ball. No other coach yeah. does that. No, that, their top running back will be productive when they're winning. Like look at um look at Mostert's numbers during their playoff run. Like that that RB one he's going to use effectively. So. I'm with you on the Trey Sermon love. Also, hi, JT. I just saw he was in the chat. Well, also, just like the red zone touches too. Like, oh, man. Yeah. I, I This 49ers offense is really looking like it's going to be insane. Like, They have a ton of weapons. For, before we move off, like, because we're about to move off and go into the end of the second, like, I am so excited for that for, for these 49ers-Rams games. They are going to be, I feel like, just fireworks. <laughs> Yeah, what was I gonna say? Um, I, I I'll be more excited if Trey Lance is starting, but I am very excited just to like some of those like they're two offensive genius head coaches. All right, but let's move on. So two hundred five, two hundred six. We've got Dimey Brown, Michael Carter. If you've listened to the Dynasty Pod before, you will know we are oh, a thanks. big Dimey Brown podcast. Really, don't think much needs to be said. We just think he's undervalued. Um, in most leagues, you can get him at the end of the second, which we all believe is a fantastic pickup. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if you need convincing, I just think that Dimey Brown, he's more than just a deep threat, really good release, physical, good with the ball in his hands, and is able to stack defensive backs insanely quickly. Um, something you really just don't see a ton. It's like, like it's what Odell Beckham is so good at. I'm not saying he's Odell, but it's just a reason why you want to like him. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I think some actually? of the reason- That's interesting. He doesn't have the hands, though. He, he compared him to Odell. But the, I, I, I don't fully agree. The way but that like, they I can see, stack a defensive back, for those who don't yeah. know what that means, that means that you're able to position yourself in front of the defensive back so that when you're, when you're running a route, the defensive back has to get fully around you which is just like hard to do especially when you're a big ass dude yeah so like when you're on a go route you want to get in front of the guy but then position yourself fully in front of him not like you're on the side of him um it sounds self-explanatory but it's a little bit easier said than done but let's move on to the more interesting guy which is michael carter because we have michael carter at 206 in a all drafts, you're basically going to see Michael Carter go before 206. We've kind of been split on him before. I think me and Jake were the guys kind of on him. I'm very on and off with him. I see a whole lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, well, at the end of the day, he's a fourth-round pick. I've got a couple things to say, like, but I want to I want to hear your opinions first. Before yeah. 206, let's say 203, is that the bait, yes or no, if you really need a running back? At 203, yes, because you could take Trey Sermon. And if Trey Sermon's not there, you're getting a receiver that's much more talented. And I do like Michael yeah. Carter. Um, I was the one who, in this mock draft, selected him at 206. And I feel like that's the appropriate uh, time to draft him, in the middle of the second round. Like 207, I don't mind. Like that that kind of range. Um, there's just so much talent at the top of the second. And I do like Michael Carter. And I think he's, uh, I argued on an earlier podcast, I think he'll see more opportunities this year than uh, someone would expect. And I still, like a mid-second round pick is still very good capital. But there, there's just so much talent at the top of the second between Sermon and some of those receivers up there. 
Um, I can't get with drafting him at two or three just because like, oh, he's the only running back I know there at the Jets. Like you got you got to go talent over opportunity with a lot of these drafts. And even though his opportunity is good, and that's part of why he's a mid second round pick in most of our opinion, uh, there's more talent at the top of the second. Okay, so the one thing I have to say about Michael Carter is that he is a more talented running back than a fourth round pick. Uh, I think yeah. me and Frank can both agree on that. I, I agree. Think agree on I that. agree also. He is, I liked him a lot at North Carolina. I think he kind of got overshadowed by Javante Williams, and rightfully yeah. so. He's this pod's number RB1 in this draft. So uh, right, I understand it. But at the same time, that shouldn't take away from the accomplishments and the talent that Michael Carter showed throughout his college career. And the thing I, I do think he is getting slightly overdrafted in, in leagues just because people are going to say, Oh, you know, he's on the Jets. They don't have any other one else. I'm not ready to say that. I still think Michael P. Ryan is, is a guy that's going to get touches. I still think even Tevin Coleman, when healthy, is going to get touches. So I, I don't think he's going to immediately come in and be this bell cow running back that a lot of the dynasty community is ready to peg him. So I think around 206 is, is, is a pretty good spot um, behind you know, those top receivers that we've talked about, Trey Sermon, maybe D- even Diami Brown. We have him there. Uh, I can understand if you wanted to take him over Diami Brown, though. All right, so I actually – so I saw a tweet with Michael Carter um, basically saying that at the end of the day, Michael Carter is a fourth-round pick. And they compared him to the other recent fourth-round picks, guys like Joshua Kelly, um, LaMichael Stop. P. Ryan – and those kinds of guys. But I wanted to dig a little bit deeper because I am like you, Jake. I don't think he's just a fourth round pick. I think he was better than a fourth round pick. But clearly- I think I think he would have been a third round pick had Javante Williams not been on the same team as him. See, that's where I think it's even wrong. I think if Javante Williams on this team, this guy is going to get carry after carry in this North Carolina offense. This North Carolina offense was a very underrated offense last year. And I really think if without Javante Williams, he could have been a second round pick just like Javante himself. I mean, maybe not. No, as high he's end. not going to be a second round. I think I think first though. half of the third. I think first half. Of yeah, the third. I, I, I can see I was going to say not top half second, but if you're going to tell me he's going to be around pick 60 to 65, 67 in there in that top half, bottom half of the second, top half of the third, I don't think that would have been an unreasonable expectation. He is that talented in my opinion. But – but, but I wanted to look at, based off that tweet, because he was comparing it just to the fourth-round running backs last year, right? With uh, um, McFarland was was another one. There was one more. But I wanted to, to narrow it down a little bit more. So I looked at fourth-round running backs in the past 15 years, but they were drafted before pick 115 because Michael Carter was pick 107, I didn't want to look at running backs drafted at the back half of the fourth round. I wanted similar running backs that, hey, they're fourth round picks, but the teams that picked them probably had like a a late third or maybe a mid third round grade on them, right? Because that's generally how the news goes with these picks. So I'll run through them real quick. Joshua Kelly fits the bill last year, 112. Alexander Madison, Bryce Love, Justice Hill, then we get to our first hit out of five, Naheem Hines. You can stop me if you think one of these other guys is a hit. Um, Mark Walton, James Conner, who I have as the second hit, right? We can agree on that. Yep. 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 Samaj Ryan, Jeremy Langford, Devontae Freeman, the third hit. Andre Williams, Robert Turbin, Roy Hallou, Joe McKnight, Mike Goodson, 
Antonio Pittman, Dwayne Wright, Maurice Claret, Marion Barber, who I have as the fourth hit. Not a I crazy guess. hit, but he I had like guess, a 950-yard, yeah. 10-touchdown season. And then Brandon Jacobs was the last hit, last player. Cool. Seattle My Boston. dog. So My dog. Guy. Brandon Jacobs, what a guy. So it, just going by the statistics there, you it's 5 out of 20. I just listed five, 20 guys, 25% chance hit. It's not too bad. That's not terrible. It's it's not bad, and this is probably one of Actually, the best situations out of the guys you mentioned. Walking, it's a better through. it's a better hit rate than I thought it would be. To be completely honest with you, well, yeah, yeah like think about it too. Joshua Kelly, Alexander Madison, Bryce Love, Justice Hill all had direct guys that were clearly established in front of them. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. A bunch of those, and and Frank, I know you're not as high on Madison as me and Jake are. But I think Madison could, like, if, if there was a team without a clear RB1, I think he could get in and get some consistent touches on it. Well, I mean, dude, if you want to if you want to say jury's still out on – I'm going to say Kelly's a bust. I, I'm just really low I'm, on I'm Kelly, cool right? with that. But if, yeah, yeah, then we Kelly, go 5 Madison, out of 19. Madison, I think the jury's still out because I like him. Or, I mean, we could do 4 out of 19 if we don't think Marion Barber is all that good. And he had one good season, so I'm assuming you could have sold him. Like, 21%, 20%. Sure. It's not great. It's really not great. But at the same time, you're, the upside on your hit, you could have sold James Conner for a lot at his peak. Yeah. Not after, a, after not that a ton, first season. But you could have got a first-plus probably. Same Easily. thing with Devontae Freeman. So, like, and probably Brandon Jacobs. I wasn't playing Dynasty back then, but I'm assuming it you probably, could have sold Brandon Jacobs for a healthy lot. chunk. Yeah. So three out of the four hits, right? Um, who was my last hit? Was Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines, you were never really selling for a first. So, like, if he does hit, they hit, right? They hit. So, like, at the end of the day, I guess the question is, like, when are you just going to take him over the receivers? And is it worth? Like, dude, because everyone kind of going back to the main argument all these people are saying oh he's a fourth round pick he sucks fourth round picks are terrible dude to be completely honest looking at the data like 20 percent chance is not terrible it's really not that bad yeah. right but my question kids. here the only thing i will have to say against that and i don't know the, the statistics this might be something we we want to look into but like Compare him to, you know, a third-round receiver in Diami Brown or a third an early third-round quarterback or a second-round receiver in Terrace Marshall, another third-round receiver in Nico Collins, a second-round tight end in Muth. Like, there's a lot of guys that were drafted ahead of him that I don't know the exact hit rates on for those positions taken there. Uh, it's something we could look into, but that's so, the only thing I would the say one I know for Michael top Carter. Of my head. Second round receivers, their hit rate from like 2000 to 2011 was like 42 or 43 percent at having right. one top 24 season. Right. So that's but, what I'm saying. It, 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 I mean, obviously, I think the only second round receiver, oh, there's two of them actually that we have in this, and it's uh, it is Terrace Marshall and it's Dwayne Eskridge, who we'll get to much later on, but. Uh, those are the other guys that were second round wide receivers. The rest were third round wide receivers, which I'm assuming the hit rates under that 42% or whatever you said. 
but that's still a much larger chance than the, the fourth round running backs. Yeah. At Twenty. But so the other thing the, too, though, is if that you're, you're the playing the odds here. Right. Right. But. The, the downside of taking Michael Carter in the middle of the second round compared to a receiver that could, could pro- at worst possibly be a wide receiver three, it, I don't know. It's just it's just a risk reward weighing on how good your team is, your team needs, and all that kind of stuff in there. Because if you really need a running back, I understand it. But if you wanted to play it safe, taking a, one of these wide receivers that are still on the board is probably a safer option. Yeah, it's definitely safer, but. It's second round picks. At the end of the day, the like I'm talking second round dynasty, right? Like second round receivers, dude. You still have less odds than a coin flip, and like the hit rate for that was much much looser than my hit rate. I mean, the only one that you can really make an argument shouldn't be a hit is Marion Barber, but dude, a season for a fourth round pick. Of 950 yards and double-digit ch- touchdowns is not bad at all. I mean, granted, it was like four, three or four years down the line, but according to that receiver study that I looked at with the 43%, that would have been a hit. I'm, I'm assuming he was a top 24 running back with those kinds of numbers. Well, he, defi- he definitely was. So, I don't know. I just I wanted to bring that up because I agree, fourth-round hit rates, they suck. But – I personally think that Michael Carter is more talented than a lot of these other running backs that were drafted in the top half of fourth rounds. Like, dude, Walton, I thought he was miles ahead of Walton. Madison, obviously I'm not a Madison guy. Kelly, was I was not a fan of Josh Kelly. So, like, instantly I'm knocking, like, three or four guys off the board. I think that the whole fourth round label is a little bit too strict on Michael Carter. I'm not going to come out here and say that I'm going to pick him up at 202, but if you really need a running back, I don't think that you should shy away from him just because he was in the fourth round. I agree. Yeah. I That's think my we, stance. <laughs> I think we've gone over Michael Carter for quite a bit so we can move along. Um, I had picked 207. Uh, I took Kellen Mond here. He's a guy that if you listen to us, we all we all like a lot. We think he has a really good situation in Minnesota here. He's probably going to sit a good chunk of the year, if not all of this year, um, behind, you know, Kirk Cousins and, and learn from him. Uh, and he's a guy that has, you know, a lot of talent, a great arm. So I think he just needs to get the game down in his head more than anything. I want to ask I you guys think- a question real quick. Because um, I think we might be on the same page here, which is pro uh, Kellen Mond. By Kellen Mond's third season, so two years, next two seasons have passed. Is Kirk Cousins still on the Vikings? No. I say no also. I have no idea, to be honest. No. I don't think he's still on the Vikings. I don't think Kirk, I think Kirk Cousins is probably starting somewhere else. I don't think he's going to uh, Yeah, I think he'll be a starter somewhere else, but I don't think but, he'll be on the Vikings in two seasons. I think Look. this was the... The Vikings' way of telling them, like, "Hey, like, hey, yeah, you, you're the starter, but like, we do have plans. You better play well. You, yeah, um, because a lot of you know, Mon's super talented. He has the, the arm strength, and we've seen him make some crazy plays on tape. Yeah. So, and hey, someone brought up a good I don't, point. I don't, like, um, sorry, could you? Someone brought up a good point. Like, Mond is more physic is the more physically talented quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah, hundred yeah, so um, percent. Kirk, so like, Kirk Cousins is the guy that's going to come out obviously and, and, and put up 
put up the 4,000 plus yards, put up the 25 plus touchdowns. He might throw 10 plus, 12 plus interceptions, sure. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, he's going to be a quarterback that's going to put up some decent numbers. He's going to finish probably quarterback around 12 to 15. And and that's what he's going to be. And I think the Vikings are kind of kind of sick of, you know, losing in the first or second that, round that, of the that, playoffs. And they and they want a guy that could put him over the yeah, that, That's think, the problem with Kirk Cousins is that yeah. he's going to go – he can go out there and throw for 500 yards on any given day, which is why he's still a starter. But at the same time, he can go out there and just absolutely shit the bed, throw three picks, and go for 120 yards. Yeah. But with Mond, I I feel like you kind of just have to use the Jalen Hurts philosophy. I'm not picking Mond because I think that that Kirk Cousins is bad or won't be the starter. I'm picking Mond because I, I think he's a good player. Yep. Yeah. So I'm not really – That that was that was the point I wanted to bring up with Mond being more physically talented. Like teammates are going to see Mond as like – obviously more physically talented QB throughout training camp and shit. And so if Kirk Cousins this year um, loses in the first round, or if they miss the playoffs again, um, it's it's not great for Kirk Cousins. Mond is a long-term investment. You're not picking him for immediate quarterback yeah. production. Like, if anything, I think it'd be better for him to sit most of next season and then... Right, and, and I'm not trying to compare him to, to Jalen Hurts here because that was kind of a a fluke situation that never happens. But look at the value that Jalen Hurts has right now. I think he's t- QB 14, we said last week. He's probably I don't right. think it's a fluke, though. What if what if Mond was on the Rams? You know, and all of a sudden Jared Goff gets hurt and his thumb is destroyed and he can't play. And, I mean, quite frankly, when he's playing, he's playing like dog shit to begin with to a certain extent. Like, yeah. I mean, th- there might be – that's the Jalen Hurts situation in, in Los Angeles, and then they don't end up trading all their picks for Stafford. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm playing the what-if game re- like really hard right now, but that could have been the situation. But we like Mon. Let's move on. Terrace Marshall's the next guy. Yeah, I'm the lowest me. guy on Terrace Marshall. We're yeah. at 208. Yeah. At the I same haven't... time, I respect the upside of Terrace Marshall. Like, if Terrace Marshall is a good player, I think that the sky is the limit for him. I just don't like him because of his tape. And I have a rule that if I don't like your tape, I'm not drafting you. I'm a stubborn person. So so I had Terrace Marshall at 210. I'm not a big Terrace Marshall guy either. Um, I was on, I put guys like Josh Palmer ahead of him. I put guys like Tony ahead of him. Um, It's the only reason I still have him at the end of my second. I think if he's going to go to any team, the team with Joe Brady as their OC makes me feel a little bit better about him. To like where I'm like, okay, I can take him in the back half of the second. Well, also, Matt Rule, I think Matt Rule is like a perfect coach for him. Yeah. Like he's he'll be riding on his ass, you know, like no. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, so man. But, but no, that, that's the um, point though. And I think with Curtis Samuel gone, that wide receiver spot is, wide receiver three spot is up for grabs. I know pretty much like McCaffrey's the wide receiver two after DJ Moore, pretty much, but uh, with Robbie Anderson. So that Robbie Anderson only has one year left on his deal. Uh, that yeah, slot Robbie, is... Robbie's a receiver that's very underrated. He had a very good year last year. Oh, I don't you have to tell me about Robbie Anderson. I love Robbie and, and And he's back with his good buddy, Sammy D. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I think it'll be fine. I think Marshall is going to be given the chance to ease into that wide receiver three-roll. And then next year when I think uh, – when Robbie Anderson's a free agent, just take it, slide right into that number two role behind 
DJ Moore. I think it's a nice situation for him, and I think he'll fit very nicely opposite DJ Moore as a bigger receiver to DJ Moore. We're liking to go across the middle a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm cool. Where Jake, do you have you have him like 207? Yeah, it's uh, in the mock. I, I personally have him at 207. The mock I got him at 208. Yeah. Um, so I'm just surprised the community isn't higher on him. I don't I know mean, what happened. I think I think no, the they are. The, the, in, they're the higher on him than us. I think not by a whole lot. I mean, keep trade cut right now has him at 18. Dude, he was a late first at one point. Like there was yeah. a point he, in time right in before the, first the first draft where he was in the yeah. Bateman spot, and then Bateman was a first round pick, and then Terrace Marshall slid in there. Um, uh, Terrace Marshall slid back. Bateman slid back in. Um, I, I think that Terrace Marshall's gone from being overvalued to being at a pretty favorable price if you like him. Because if I'm a crap team and I have a whole lot of like late second round picks, I would take Terrace Marshall because the upside is tremendous with him, and I think he's in a good spot. Speaking of a guy with tremendous upside, this is a guy I have liked a lot, and that's Nico Collins. I I think that Nico Collins is a stud, to be honest. I think that Nico Collins is the Chase Claypool of this year to a certain extent, where mm. like playing not that Texans? crazy. Playing on the Texans. I don't care where he's playing. I think he's just a good player, and he's just de facto behind everyone because everyone's just a little bit too nervous about taking him. It's like, dude, he's athletic. He was he had a phenomenal senior bowl. He has a whole lot of traits you could like. But because he doesn't have all the data analytics metrics and isn't on a flashy team, it's like people are like, oh, well, we'll just slide him back to the end of the second. Every single person. Dude, I like Nico Collins a lot. I'm really close to putting Nico Collins above Bateman, to be completely honest. I think he's a stud. I think that Nico Collins is really good, and it's not reflected in his price. He's the kind of guy, if I have late second-round picks, I'm targeting him every single league. I'm targeting him in the late second. I think, you know, I'm, I'm just torn between him. And I know he's the more physically talented one, but I don't know why I just love Josh Palmer so much. And he's the guy, he doesn't play like Claypool, like Nico Collins does. And we'll get into him. I think, I actually don't think he made the top 12 for that second round mock. Um, he, he would be my first pick of the third round if I had that. But um, it's between them two, kind of. But I do like Nico Collins. He should be a second round pick in every draft. He should go at the end of the second. Because uh, Brandon Cooks, he's not going to be a long-term guy in Houston. Um, I don't know how you guys uh, – we don't even have to get into it. But, like, when you guys think Watson will be back, if it's, like, next season. Um, but that receiving core is wide open. And uh, Nico yeah. Collins is a very talented receiver who was kind of stuck on a Michigan, Michigan team that has never done any favors towards receivers. So I'm with you, Frank, in terms of really liking him. All right, next player is the Muth. I'm a big Muth guy. Just I, I we should speed run this a little bit. Basically, the Muth in a system where Matt Canada uses twenty-two personnel a ton. I think that both tight ends are going to get usage. He's the kind of guy that kind of in a similar spot to Cole Komet last year because he's not the flashy tight end like a Kyle Pitts or a first-round guy. He's just going to kind of fly under the radar to a certain extent. I don't think his ADP is as favorable as Komet's, but. I also think that the Muth is more talented than him. One of my more favorite taxi squad stashes at the end of the second. I like the Muth also. At the end of the second, I think that's good value. Um, he's the second best tight end of this draft. Uh, so, no, I'm with you. I think you summed that up well. 
I, you know, he's he's a guy. He's got soft hands. He's more athletic yeah. than you think. He's a better blocker than advertised. Lunas, I'll let you have the. Do you want to say anything on Muth, Jake? No, I just think that the fact that you brought up the blocking is a great point because I think that flies under the radar with tight ends a lot is their blocking ability. Obviously, like you're not as worried about it with guys like Kyle Pitts that are just elite receiving options. No, if if he can block, you stay on the field more. Exactly. If you're on the field, you can get dump offs. There's just a lot of things that can happen. So I think that's an underrated thing. And I think Pat Freermuth, good pick. He just he's he's what the Steelers have needed for a while at tight end. Lunas, you have the floor. Sell us on Tony. <laughs> so what if I told you <laughs> a receiver that I got drafted in the first round at two eleven? Is that a pretty good pitch? Um, yeah, Kadarius I mean, Tony. I don't know. JT's know... still angry. <laughs> like a, j- just that pitch alone, a first round receiver getting picked at two eleven. Um, I know the dynasty community likes so many guys more. Um, I mean, I have them going kind of late in like the mid-second in my personal rankings. Um, I just, I still like it. Like you're getting someone, they invested a first-round pick in him. Do you think the Giants invested a first-round pick in him to just not use him? Like Punt returner. Punt returner in the first round, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, he, that's not it, but. Yeah, I know, I know. Even though we can't do that. Oh, there's, there's angry JT. Uh, yeah, I've been kind of wilding out with him. He's attacking me. Um, so, no, but with him, I think um, we've talked about that second wide receiver spots on the Giants. I think um, Slayton is beatable if you're Tony. I think Tony's really talented, and I think it's going to be interesting between them. Shepard, I think we all like. I just think the concern with Shepard is, one, he hasn't gotten that extension, and, two, can he stay healthy? Um, I, dude, if I'm there, if I'm Gettleman, I ain't giving him the extension. He's a good, I wouldn't great either. player. It's just he just can't stay healthy. You get half um, a season out of him. Yeah, so every I, single year, half a season, man. Yeah, Never so can stay I, healthy. I think that wide receiver two spot is very attainable for Tony, uh, behind Galladay. He's going to be taking those number one corners, he's going to be playing that alpha receiver role, which makes it easier on the rest of them. Uh, so that with the first on capital, I like Tony at 211 here. Yeah, I'm with you, Luton. I, I, I think Tony is obviously being slept on just for the fact that people are going to say, oh, he's a gadget player, he's this, he's that. He only had one productive season at Florida. We got it. There's a lot of red flags on him. He had the switch positions he, in college, which I think was Yeah, and, that, and that's and that's kind of the, all the red flags. And I think that's kind of built into this price of why he's a first-round wide receiver falling this late in the draft. Um, but overall, this late at 211, you can't really go wrong with a guy taken in the first round of the actual NFL draft. I picked up a share of Tony in one of my leagues at the very end of the second. I think he fell to 212, and I'm like – yeah like Diamond brown just got picked like dude at, at some point first round receiver at 212 kind of like the you, same thing in his yeah. year like he has an interesting skill set he's probably like and the giants have been looking for this right the giants signed golden tate they obviously sterling shepherd has just kind of been on and off the field for a while um they have they obviously have wanted a guy to fill this kind of slot receiver we can give him the ball get just get the ball in his hands make something happen type of role um maybe they actually found it with tony also the other thing with tony dude he played a lot earlier than people really realized in his career he just hasn't been consistent his entire florida career until his senior year dude he was playing as a freshman i was i forget i was watching no because he was playing because he was a problem he went to florida as a running back 
and he had to, he switched because they just found more use of him in receiver, and that ended up being a better position. But that's kind of why he's so dangerous once he gets the ball in his hands and making guys miss because he has running back skills. He has the ability yeah. to break tackles, juke people out of their shoes. Um, so that's what makes him better so routes, dangerous. Dude. His routes, he is insanely quick, and that's how he gets open. His routes are kind of trash, though. Like, that's what I at least wrote about him coming out. Um, like, dude, I, I hate his route running, but, like, his feet are so good, and he's just such a natural a- athlete. He was able to get away with it. All right. Yeah. We have, like, a couple last players. I'll hit Amari Rogers really quickly. Then, Lunas, you could take Palmer. Jake, you could take Eskridge because those are the guys you like. Amari Rogers, yeah. to me, if Aaron Rodgers is still on the Packers, this is a match made in heaven. I yeah. think that – Amari Rodgers perfectly fits that Randall Cobb kind of role, and we've seen that role have success with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Amari Rodgers isn't necessarily the most flashy guy in the world, but you just put the football around him, and he'll make a catch. He's got unbelievably good hands. Like, if I know Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay, I really like um, Rodgers at the end of the second. Yeah, I like him end of the second, early third, and I think that's another situation where that – why receiver why receiver two spot is attainable. I don't think MVS or Lazard has done anything too crazy to have that cemented for them. Um, I'm not the saying lizard man. the lizard man. I know Lazard has shown a little bit more than MVS, but I don't think either of them have been like playing like that good enough where it's like, oh, they have it on lock. I think either one is attainable. Um, yeah, so, I agree. So if you want to hit on Josh Palmer right now, and then you can wrap up with Eskridge. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, yeah. So Josh Josh Palmer. Um, was was he a third rounder or a fourth? I believe. He I want to say third, round third rounder. Yeah. So I like that capital to start off. If we're talking like in that two twelve, and re- in oh, wait, reality, I might, I might be wrong. I think he was actually a fourth round pick. Either way, Who? in uh, Josh Palmer. No, he's a third pick third seventy-seven. Rounder? I think. Yeah. So I like a capital, and in reality, he probably won't go in the second round in most drafts. I just like him, so I took him in the end of the second. But in reality, this is a guy you could probably get in the beginning, mid third round. And so with Josh Palmer. Um, I think you guys have also agreed. None of us have really been really that high on Mike Williams. Um, it's it's kind of it for him. And I don't think they're going to pay him the money he's probably going to look for after this season, which is the last year of his contract. Uh, Keenan Allen's going to be the number one there for a while. I could see Josh Palmer kind of stepping. And none of those other guys, like Guyton will rip off like a 60-yard pass in the next three games, have like one catch for three yards. Um, I think with Josh Palmer, you have the opportunity with the guy here to step into that number two wide receiver spot once Mike Williams leaves after this season and be paired up with uh, Justin uh, Herbert. I think he's someone where in that Tennessee offense, he showed a ton of flashes. I just don't think it was a very consistent passing attack um, in that system. But I I was um, impressed with him. A lot of the plays he made, he played really well against Bama corners uh, in the Alabama game. And I just think he's someone where – I'm not expecting a ton his rookie year, but his second year, uh, and I'm assuming Mike Williams is going to walk, uh, I think he can get a good opportunity. Yeah. And now Jake with uh, with Eskridge. Yeah, he's a guy that, similar to Josh Palmer, is going to be sitting around this, you know, very, very late second, early third, even some drafts mid-third I've seen him go. But he's a player that I really like. I think his fit in Seattle is perfect. Um, I think he's a guy that they're going to get the ball to, and that's all That's all you can really ask for. He's a good route runner, and when he, the ball's in his hand, he makes plays. People are going to be scared of him just because he's, he's a smaller guy. He's only 5'9". He played at Western Michigan, 
and and he came out as a, I believe a fifth year senior. So there's a lot of red flags in terms of the dynasty community. I understand that, but at the very end of the uh, the second round here, I, I took him at two twelve in our mock. Um, I just like him. I like the player, and I think in Seattle, it's just a really good fit for this offense where he could be running across the middle. Um, well, you know, Lockett and uh, DK are going long. I think it's uh, Russell Wilson is going to learn to just dump the ball off to him, similar to like to be talked about with Tony. I think they've been looking for a guy like that. Um, so I just like the fit here. And he is good draft capital in the second yeah, round. Yeah, he was a second round receiver. So overall, yeah. I think Dwayne Eskridge is a solid pick. I think I'd have to pick him in the third. I don't think I could take him in the second. Wow, the difference is what? You take him at 303? Yeah, I mean, it's like a whole four or five right. spots down. Um, yeah, not that much. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't hate that at 212, though. Uh, so, moving on. This, yeah, so for this week, we've been doing our division breakdowns every week, and this one we decided to attack the AFC South um, with some very big additions that came in this offseason, kind of mostly featuring Carson Wentz and Julio Jones. So we're just going to kind of, as usual, go through these rankings and see how we feel about them, starting with the quarterbacks. Trevor yeah, Lawrence. So, Trevor Lawrence. He is currently QB7 on Keep Trade Cut. Uh, what do we think, guys? I think we all have him as overrated. Um, Here's the caveat. He's overrated in terms of his value as, like, QB7 and, like, in a startup necessarily. But if you have Rookie 101 – and you're not getting these completely fire trade offers, he's undervalued. He's a great oh, it would, it would It would take a fucking haul for me to trade 101. So, like, I, I don't – I think calling him over overvalued and overrated isn't necessarily terribly fair. Like, obviously, he's going for an, a premium price, but I, I think that he's not terribly, terribly overrated. Like, listen, he's Trevor Lawrence. You're going to have to pay a pretty penny to pick him up. Yeah, I think QB seven is like fine. If I just we have to pick overrated, underrated. I'm moving him down a spot or two before I move him up a spot or two. Um, but he's I going. Mean, it's tough for me just because he's rated over guys like I believe he's rated over, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, which is just well, yeah. Is he like not? if I needed to trade for That's a quarterback, I'd there. rather trade for other players. But if I have rookie one hundred and one. I'm not just going to sell him because, oh, I think Trevor Lawrence is overrated unless I'm getting an ass ton, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those kinds of scenarios where the buyers are just simply asking too much. I don't think he's necessarily terribly overrated, though. Yeah, and he's going late first in a lot of super flex startups. I think that's fine. I really don't think it's that bad. It's not. Especially if you're – I probably would too. Because I know there's the strategy nowadays that's gotten very popular of, okay, you basically just throw your first year or two, trade down a bunch of times, pick all young players. Like, dude, if you trade down into the middle back end of the first round to let someone go pick up one of those top-end quarterbacks and you land Lawrence, like at pick seven or eight, and, like, you picked up, like, a first-round pick to move back, like – that's great, dude. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. But let's go into the actual guy because I think we all are consensus on Lawrence. Gardner Minshew, because me, Jake, Luna, like it's split. Me and JT are on one side thinking that Gardner Minshew is overrated, basically, that we just think he's a backup. Jake and Lunas think that he's the backup to own and he's underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll 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 kick it off here. Um 
I actually have him as the most underrated quarterback in the division. Um, I think he got a raw deal. Obviously, he was not not a whole lot of draft capital on him. I think he was a what a sixth round pick, I believe. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so like not a whole lot of draft capital on him, but he was he stepped in to a nearly impossible situation. Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback of a team that had absolutely nothing, nothing around him. And like, yeah, you'll say, oh, he had Lavishka uh, Chenault last year, who was a, a top end, a rookie. He had, you know, a, a top five running back and James Robinson behind him. But let's be real, that was an undrafted free agent. The defense wasn't good. You know, he was having to yeah. put up a million points, and then they become the worst team in the league, and they obviously take Trevor Lawrence. No doubt about it. I understand that. But he got a raw deal. He played pretty well with the hand he was dealt. And I think if you put him on – he's going to walk eventually. He's not going to be there forever. If he goes to a, a place similar to, you know, something like a Mariota situation, similar to – I'm not going to say Tannehill, but, like, I think he'll have a chance to be a – He'll have another chance to start. Somewhere. I, he, I agree. He's going to have a chance to start, whether that's just as a bridge quarterback or just, you know, product of opportunity because he is the backup and the quarterback in front of him does get an injury. I, I think he's a guy that is going to stick around the league for a while because he's a guy that's proven, at least to me, that he's worthy of an NFL backup at the spot at least. Yeah. That's all he is, though. He's just a backup. He's just a Yeah, but how many of these – well, think Dude. about it. He's he's ranked at forty two. Think about so you're what ta- so you're the taking guy 10, doesn't you're taking have 10 the arm He escapes yeah, the saying- pocket far too often for his subpar athletic ability at the quarterback position nowadays. What what am I getting out of him? What you're if I'm an NFL team getting a baller? No, you're if I'm an NFL team, why would I ever him. want him as a starting quarterback? He's just a backup. He, he's he's, he's a worse 42. Teddy Bridgewater, a much worse he's Teddy right- Bridgewater. He's ranked 42. I don't oh, care. He's deserved to be 42. All, that's, that's Dude, if, I am, if, if, I, if there's a team that will give me a third-round pick for him, he's gone. We're moving on. C.J. Beathard is not ranked. We're not C. talking about C.J. him. C.J. Beathard, we're not talking about him. Ryan Tannehill, we all have as underrated at QB 14 and all as the guy that we are most confident will maintain his current value of that yep. quarterback 14. I, I don't think there's much to talk about. We talked about him when we did our, our full a full uh, startup draft where he was fell to, like, quarterback 18 in that. Um, we all like Ryan Tannehill. They added Julio Jones. They still have, you know, Derrick Henry behind him. They still have A.J. Brown. Uh, this offense is going to be pretty good, and Tannehill is going to be the guy at the helm of this. So we all think he's going to have a pretty decent year and maintain his current value. Uh, Logan Woodside, unranked. I don't even know who he's that the is. man, dude. Logan I, Woodside, of course, you put underrated. Dude, yeah, Logan Woodside's I, good, he just needs his chance. Yeah, okay. So does so does Gardner Minshew, dude. He was nasty at Toledo. I don't want to hear it. No, he's just a bad Any, guy, though. <laughs> anyways. Carson Wentz, we are all on the same page that he is underrated at quarterback 22. JT has him as the most underrated quarterback in the division. I, I mean, my perspective is, is pretty low. 22 is so low, man. You're telling me that this guy that was a near MVP candidate switched teams to have a better offensive line, a better running back, and better weapons than he had in Philly, and he went down. 
Like, it's it just, it doesn't make he, sense. Really, there's two really problems, only... though. There's two problems with Carson Wentz. One is that if you have Carson Wentz, you know he's not quarterback 22. You no, know he's not. not that low. So you're not going to sell him there. The second problem is that as a buyer, he's never going to be what he was. Because he has that huge blemish into that last year in Philly, he's going to be a Kirk Cousins now. He's going to be yeah. that guy. That, Kirk Cousins that, is fine. If you give me exactly. like a QB12 season, that's the problem, QB10 though. Season. Kirk Cousins puts up QB12, QB10 seasons, but because it's Kirk Cousins and he has these bad games in primetime and whatnot, it's the blemish that no one will ever pay the actual quarterback price for. I actually think I like Wentz more than Cousins because uh, of his athletic ability also. Um I don't think he even needs to return to his MVP form. Like, if you go to his 2019 year, he had a really good fantasy season that year. Um, the He really just had that one terrible year, and it was a yeah. terrible year. Oh, but even, it, was, it was one of the even, worst quarterback years I've seen in a while. Yeah, and even in that horrendous performance, because of, like, his rushing, uh, he would usually end up with a couple of touchdowns. I think he was, like, a QB 15 on per-game average uh, still. So... And obviously there were some injuries to some of the top QBs, so maybe that goes to 17, 18. But that's in his like all-time worst year. I don't envision that happening. I think he's gonna have a lot more time this year. Um, better weapons, uh, solidified running game, and a coach that fits him way better. I just think the situation last year in Philly was toxic. He didn't like the Jalen Hurts pick. Uh, Doug Peterson, no offensive coordinator. Um, O-line deteriorated. The big thing about the big thing about moving from Philly to Indy is the offensive line. This is a guy that we saw when he was under pressure, just yeah. consistently made very, very poor decisions. And now you put him in front of arguably the best offensive line in football and give him more time, give him the ability yeah, to be more the comfortable. Field. 100%. He'll be, he'll be more comfortable. He'll, and, like, listen, I, if you've listened to the pod, I was one of the biggest Carson Wentz haters. I think this is the best place he could have landed in the entire league, probably. So, yeah. I, Quarterback 22 is ridiculous, but like Frank said, you're not getting him there. Some, someone brought up, JT just goes in the chat, Frank, because you're right about the owners, about the sellers and buyers. It's the Joe Mixon paradox with Carson Wentz. Yeah, it is. The thing is, though, in startup drafts, if you like drafting a lot of QBs, you can get them as a very fair price to be a QB3. That's you what can I was go say. what we do, QBs round one and two in Superflex leagues, and then back around, like, what, round five, six, maybe even later, pick them up as You'd a QB3. Even get them, like seven. So, yeah, you could literally solidify your QB room for the next, like, five years minimum and still draft, like, three good receivers or, like, a good running back and two good receivers. So, like, I think yeah, he's yeah. a great startup pick. Yeah, Deshaun I think Watson, though. Actually, wait. Out. No, hold on. There's one thing more about the Colts that I think was I found very interesting, and this is their backup situation. Jacob right Eason. now, Jacob Eason is ranked uh, QB 49, and Sam Ellinger is is not ranked. Um, we all have <laughs> Jacob Eason as overrated. I personally have him as the most overrated quarterback in the division. While we all have Sam Ellinger as underrated, and me and Frank ha actually have him as the backup to own. I find this really interesting because I think – I don't know who would get the, the nod if Carson Wentz was to go down and or – they pull him because, you know, he's tied to that draft capital where if he yeah, starts 75 a number of games. 
So I think like, Eason would. I think he's because he's been I, the system. I don't know. I'd rather right, have. But Ellinger. I just think Sam Ellinger is the safe. He's a guy gamer though. Him. Ellinger's a gamer. Yeah. Like Jacob Eason is like he's got the arm. You know, he looks the part of NFL guys. Like when you see him throwing him gym shorts at the combine and stuff, like the dude just wows you, right? But you watch him play, and it just doesn't match up. Ellinger is the opposite. Ellinger kind of needs the arm talent. He plays like a college quarterback, but he's a gamer. I will, I will bet my money on the gamer, right? It's like coming at it from a Steelers fan perspective, the difference between Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Duck Hodges, he didn't have the talent, and Ellinger's got way more talent than Duck Hodges, but they're gamers. That's like They're never going to be the guy, but if they come in, they're going to be the ones that can actually like go in there and win football games. That's the I difference agree. for me. That's all. I think that's all we really need to say about this backup situation in the uh, moving on to Houston. The Watson scenario. Oh, God, the Watson scenario. <laughs> the Yoikers so, scenario. So here's – I'll, I'll make the first thing. Listen, I don't know – we don't know what's going to happen. We're not lawyers. We're podcasters. Um, hey, my, <laughs> my, we're my, lawyers. My, <laughs> my, my – if you may, if you ask me to make a prediction, my prediction is he doesn't play this season and he's back next year. But at the same time, it's like even with missing a year, QB sixteen for a guy who was easily top five quarterback before all this shit started within this offseason. Um, QB sixteen is too low because the minute, like, say he just is able to clear his way out of this whole thing or whatever happens, once he's back on the field playing, he's back to being a top five quarterback in dynasty. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I also I do also have him at underrated at QB 16, but I do think there is a legitimate possibility that he's just there's not a chance he doesn't play. No, he's there's too just, good. He's there's too a chance, good. but you gotta like the NFL, uh, you can always come back. No, nah, he's he's it's gonna come back. Life, he's so undervalued. It's just he's a matter so of undervalued. When. For me, it's just I think a he's the when. most undervalued player in this whole segment. I, ha- I have him as my most underrated. I think Frank does too. Yeah, like a ping at QB <coughs> 16. There is, and I see what you're saying, Jake. There is the chance it's like, oh, you might never come. The NFL has not really been like the most. Dude, like, if oh, I'm a rebuilding team, back. I'm buying Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm checking the price on him. You I'm think a rebuilding the team has the, the capacity to do that? They got I'll first take the round picks. Because listen, yo, the minute he comes back, he's a first round pick. I mean, not first round. He's a top five dynasty QB. The minute he's back and playing full time, so probably, because you got Watson past what two three years past like three years has been a top. Who are you gonna get that has shown more flashes than Deshaun Watson? Not even just flashes, just productivity. Oh my god! Wait! Oh my god! That took me a second. JT Um, says JT says Watson isn't gonna be top five when he comes back. Watson, with shitty players around him last year, put up a crazy good season. Um, so, like, and I'm saying this as someone who sold Deshaun Watson um, this offseason. Luckily, thank, he's so lucky. Deshaun is going to erect himself back into a top 10 quarterback. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, uh, anyways, he's moving on. He's arising. Moving on to, to the backup situation here in Houston. Bait. It's gotta- bait everywhere. I'm putting it on the screen. This is Bait City. I'm sorry. It's This is Bait City, dude. Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, I'm calling City. it now. It's Bait City. I, like, I listen, agree. I think the play with – because I actually like Davis Mills in rookie drafts right now because you pick him up, he's going to play, and then you sell. Sell him right away. You It stonks. You just sell him for a second. Bang. Stonks. stonks. 
the bait. JT's taking the bait. Give JT. By the way, JT, so you're saying it's not okay, JT, I'll make a bet with you. Whenever if Deshaun Watson does come back, I think he does. I'll make a bet on him getting back in the top five dynasty QBs. Dude, they drafted Davis Mills because they need a pulse at quarterback. Like <laughs> he's not the long term answer, in my opinion. Well, Tyron, the long term answer is gonna be their first round pick whenever they fucking have one. I think they have one next year, right? Yeah, thank God. Yeah, they do. They do. I wonder if hey, they had their franchise if they, quarterback. If they had that first round pick this year, do you think they would have picked a quarterback? Yes. Hell yeah, they would have. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Watson wanted out anyway. Yeah, yeah. Dude, not only did Watson want out, Watson's not going to be playing. They would have absolutely picked a – they picked a quarterback with their yeah, first pick what, already. What if, what, like, what, if they, what, if, what if they pick, like, I don't know, if they just traded down like to, like, eight or ten, got a bunch of picks, made the roster, like, really good, and were like <laughs> – And we're like, hey, Tyra, don't die. Like, yeah, what are you going to do there? Tyrod would be happy. He's like, oh, there's no needles in my back this time. All right, running backs. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> More we, like we, the jail. <laughs> Emily, hi. We appreciate it. AFC South, the running backs. Let's start off with the, the Jaguars. Travis Etienne, we're almost in consensus that Travis Etienne is the most overrated running back in this division, which is kind of shocking. I think – Rookie draft, he's great. If you can get him at like 111, 110, or 201, like in our freaking mock, that's fine. But running back 15 and in startups and whatnot, like paying a running back 15 price, that's steep, right? The fact that you have to pay significantly more for Travis Etienne than you do for Josh Jacobs, that's where I disagree. And I think that that's that Wait, not Jacobs, the move. Right? What's Jacobs at right now? Is he not above him? I don't know, but I feel like if you were to ask the Dynasty community who they'd rather have, you'd have an army of people at your door screaming Travis Etienne. I have seen so much Josh Jacobs hate recently. Wow. It's ridiculous. Wow. Etienne is above Josh Jacobs right now. Two spots above Josh Jacobs. I don't agree with it, but I can see someone thinking on it. Wow. That is shocking. I, it's just... In a rookie draft, I'm fine taking him at the end of the first. I'm not saying fade him there, but well, dude, I'd still rather have Javante, and Javante, I'm getting at a much better price. Um, I, I don't think it's a big discrepancy between Jacobs and uh, ETN. I'm, I'm not. If oh, you that's made, the problem, done, though. The price difference is huge. What? What? How big's the price difference? Like it's. Oh, dude, I think that right now, like, you are not sniffing ETN price for Josh Jacobs. Well, no, because Josh, so Josh Jacobs being uh, below ETN. So where is ETN going in most, like, consensus drafts? Like 109, 110? 108 or 109. So are we saying Josh Jacobs' value is less than 109? You would not be able to get 109 for Josh Jacobs in a majority of leagues. Okay. Uh, Unless I'm right, in your actually. league, but I'm drafting Javante, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, it's Anyways, I think the more interesting back uh, on the Jaguars now is James Robinson, the undrafted free agent, finished running back four last year in PPR formats. Um, we all have him as underrated. I have him as the most underrated back in the division. JT has him as the quote-unquote backup to own. Um He's currently at running back 28. I think that is so low for a guy that just finished running back four. I know they just drafted, you know, ETN in the first round at pick 27. 
I just think they're going to use both of these guys. And I, I think you'll see them on the field in two back sets or even Travis Etienne's lining up as a slot receiver. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of ways that they can get both of these guys involved. And to have them at outside of the top 24 running backs after finishing running back four in his rookie year, um, albeit he was an undirected for agent, I just think that's so low. I don't know how you guys feel about him, but I still think that it's just very So low. I picked underrated. I don't think he's as underrated as you think. Yeah, he's I don't think he's though. I think the um, problem with him is that if you have him, you can't sell him. Like you have to hold he's him. He's a hold. Well, yeah. I I, I got diamond hands him, dude. I and I that's the thing. I think there's a discrepancy here between what a buyer would pay and what a seller would sell for. Um bit of the Joe Mixon paradox going on here. So what would, I, what would you, what would I don't know if I want to buy him though. What would it take for you to sell James Robinson, Jake? That's the thing is I think you're gonna want a top hat. Yeah, you're gonna want a top hat for the second round pick. I, I would accept less. That. I would accept less for James Robinson. There's no point. There's no point. I, I yeah, would accept if, so, if someone offered me like two wait for James Robinson. I'd accept. I that's just that's it's pushing so, it, but I I mean. If that's the case, I think you probably get a deal if you're willing to sell for that low. But I mean, if someone wants to say, I do, I do think twenty eight is a little bit too low, but eh. we'll see. Maybe, though. maybe, maybe me saying way too low is an exact is you know a bit of hyperbole here, but no, but we are here. Anyways, the other running back here that is of any value is Carlos Hyde. He's currently running back one hundred nine. Um, I think he's clearly just the veteran depth piece on the on this team, but I do think he is going to, you know, vulture some touchdowns and be annoying, just enough to be annoying. He'd in be in my top one hundred. <laughs> one hundred. Thanks, thanks, th- yeah. thanks, Lou. Top one hundred. Derrick Henry, RB ten, underrated. Yeah, I mean the guy's going to finish a top five running back again. I, I just don't see how he's not. So, I picked underrated because I had to pick one, but honestly, I'm pretty fine with 10. Um, just because how many good young running backs there are that I think what I would take over there. Yeah, Henry. all those young running backs that won't sniff 2,000 yards in their entire career. Yeah, for next season. Tell me two years from now, I'm going to be living way better with J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers. Okay, well, J.K. Dobbins Henry. and Cam Akers is different. Like, their consensus above him. I'm talking about freaking Joe Mixon over here. All right, I, not, I actually don't like... Don't hate Joe Mixon that okay, much. Okay, obviously, obviously I'm going to take Derrick Henry over Joe Mixon. Okay, I'll, I'll, bring up, I'll bring up another name, like Javante Williams. Well, as a contender, like, dude, you're easily taking Derrick Henry. Yeah, no, for next year, Derrick Henry's better. But, like, in a in a year and a half from now or two years from now, I feel like I'd be more comfortable having Javante. Well, Derrick dude, Henry. I like Javante, too. You're picking the one dude that I'm banging on the table for this year that I have valued at like 104, all right? I know. Like, I'm get out of town. Names. There's, there's obviously still the top tier with like Taylor, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon, Kamara. It's a lot of good backs. There's yeah. a lot. Anyways. I As think a we contender, Derek, though, like he's a phenomenal buy. Yeah, yeah we all know Derrick Henry is a beast and he's going to be there. The question with, with Derrick Henry that everyone has is how long can he handle 300-plus touches a season? He's so, built different, bro. He's built different. I mean, quite literally, he is built differently. But <laughs> also, Derrick and Evans is the massive bait. Massive. Oh, no. I don't. I don't I like, like him. I like him more than fifty six. I say he's underrated. I I don't like him more than fifty six. I think there's a lot of guys 
um, ranked around that running back 50, you know, 40 to 60 range that I like a lot more gotta, than him. My, my only but I do think he is the back. I do think he is the backup to own. Jeremy Nichols is my, my, a better my, running back than him. My only case with Darren Tennessee is just, do you do you guys not think the Titans also know about Derrick Henry's ridiculous workload? I think they're going to. I don't think they care. I think that's the if you're only trying way to they win, win games. You're going to hand the ball the to Darrington Evans games. over Derrick Henry. No, I will take him. a one-legged Derrick Henry over Darrington fucking Evans. Okay, get out of hey. here. I, I don't hate Darrington Evans. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I'm not saying I'm buying him. I just said I'd like him more than. He's a jag. He's a jag. You're a jag. Well, actually, you're not a jag. But like, okay, maybe I'll spend half a fab on him. Half a fab? Yeah, I don't want to spend a full fab on him. Come on. <laughs> I don't think either of these – I mean, I like Darrington Evans, but I don't th- – I think running back 56 is too high. I need him at a running back 75 to, to 80 price, and I don't think you're ever going to sell get the owner to sell at that Dude, price. Jeremy and... McNichols is better than him, okay? Like, Jeremy McNichols is, is nothing. He's actually – Jeremy zero. McNichols is irrelevant. He's the actual backup. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Let's moving on. on to the Colts. JT. Uh, we, we got JT. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, running back two. Co-co-co. We all have him as overrated, but we all have him as the back that we are most confident will maintain their current value. Yeah. So I just think that what we mean by this is that, you know, if we're going to move him anywhere, we're obviously going to move him down. We're not going <laughs> to move him up. Um, so that's why he's quote unquote overrated. We are all confident Jonathan Taylor, even if he has a, a, a worse year than last year, he will still be valued at a top five running back going into next year. So if you own Jonathan Taylor, congratulations. Good job. I don't know what you want. Pat on the back, a high five. Good job, except for JT. To everyone yeah. else but JT. Yeah. A lot. But not I think the, 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 the more interesting back on this team is Naheem Hines because he actually finished a, a top 20 running back last year in PPR formats. He's good. Um, yeah. I think – we, us three, all have him as the backup to own the division. I think I thought it was a pretty easy decision here. Um, it was either him or James Robinson, just because James Robinson's like not really a backup, in my opinion. I think, but the true backup to own is Naheem Hines. He is going to get targets, he is going to be on the field on third downs. He is a good blocker, he's a good pass catcher, and he's gonna, you know, give Jonathan Taylor some time on the sidelines to catch his breath every now and then. And, and the Colts won't feel bad about handing the ball to him. I think we saw that last year, and I think we'll continue to see it again this year. Dude, honestly, uh, JT, I'm I fine. think I'm that fine with Hines, Hines at 39. could easily have like an Austin Eckler type of rise pretty soon here. I don't think as good as Eckler. I could see like a poor man's Eckler. Um, I mean, he's yeah. not going to have Eckler because he's not going to get the the opportunity that Eckler get, got in that offense where he was the number one guy <laughs> with you know Melvin Gordon out. But I do think he will. He does you know, have value here, even as it just feels like the same scenario where like there was Melvin Gordon. Everyone thought that about Eckler. I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor is going to have a, a Melvin Gordon. Jonathan, like, Jonathan different, Taylor is but, way different but, than Melvin Gordon. I mean, dude, if you were to say two years ago that Austin Eckler would ever be anything, you'd be, you'd be the same argument as Naheem Hines. Oh, you're crazy. Yeah. Melvin Gordon's going to be there for the next six years. Now yeah, I think it's more so that I think Hines is like, He's going to be up in free agency in a year or two. Like, Hines is good, dude. He is a phenomenal I like talent. He's insanely athletic. He's a great receiver. I think he's an underrated runner between the tackles. Like, I actually might try to buy him. Who's got him in our league? Uh, Andrew, good luck, buddy. Oh, yeah. um, 
And by the way, Emily, yes, you can <laughs> to your question. About Marlon Mack, ultimate bait. He, I've been saying it for years, dude. Oh, I'm I not want zero touching parts Marlon, Marlon Mack with a 10-foot pole. I want zero parts of Marlon Mack. Let's move on to the clown yeah. fiestas, though. The, the clown fiesta the Houston that is clowns. the Houston Texans backfield. We got David Johnson running back 54, Philip Lindsay running back 55, Mark Ingram not ranked, and Rex Burkhead not ranked. The only person Does anyone want to take a stab at making sense of this backfield? Because it is hey. an absolute clown fiesta. No clear back, no clear starter. No, Some of these guys might get cut. Like I don't even know what's going on in this backfield. It's it's a mess. Um, I think David Johnson Ingram probably gonna get injured at some point. Um, I, I do Ingram like. Gonna, I don't think Ingram makes the final roster. To be I wouldn't be surprised. With you. Um, I do like Lindsey at a running back in the fifties. I still think he's talented. Uh, so if his price is here's the thing. I just don't think whoever owns him is selling for that low. Um, but he's someone at the. I just had a startup draft where I got him super late in that draft. Um, Can you pick so, him up with for a third? Are you selling him for a third? Uh, I might buy for it there because buy. like that's what that's what James Connor is in the same range, right? James Connor's in the in like late forties, early fifties, and you can get James Connor for an early third. Like I think you can get Philip Lindsay for an early third if you really want him. The question is, is he worth that? Probably not, but I pay a mid third for him, like three or six. I definitely think about it. Three or six, I'd pay for Lindsay. No, I agree. I think Philip Lindsay's the only one. I think David Johnson, to a certain extent, is kind of underrated, too, even though I have him. He's, over. A, he's just a guy that's a 30-year-old running injured. back that's had injury history. There's no chance. They're not going to score a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to buy him. It's just if I have him, I'm not I mean, going to him. I don't even know what the price tag to buy David Johnson would be. He's once, how, how not surprised very, he is ranked ahead of Lindsey, even if it's just by one spot. Um, Either way, I think uh, we are good to move on from the clown fiesta running back scenario here. Yeah. Um, These Jags wide receivers are interesting. The wide receivers. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it here. Lavisca Chenault, Marvin Jones, and Colin Johnson are super underrated. DJ Chark. There's like a huge debate in the dynasty community over DJ Chark. I feel like we are all firmly on the overrated train for DJ Chark. I don't see it. I, I see never saw it. I Russell never Gaines, understood. To be honest, I never understood <laughs> the DJ Chark hype. I didn't like it. I was always I liked the Visca Chenault coming out. I've Marvin Jones, the guy we'll touch on in a second, but I also like Colin Johnson. I think Colin Johnson out of Texas was a very underrated pick. I think he went in like the sixth round, if I'm correct. But I yeah, thought he yeah. prior to prior to his I think senior season, he was projected to go much higher than that. And I'm shocked he even second or third round. That. Yeah, I was shocked he fell to the sixth round in the first and just in the end. But he's a guy that I think is talented. There's just a lot of receivers in this Jaguars receiving core that are gonna get some targets. I don't know who's gonna make it out on top, but Overall, I think DJ Chark is just not worth his price tag right now. I think DJ Chark has been one of the best sales teams can make this offseason uh, to people who are yeah. like, oh, Trevor Lawrence is number one. Like, if you're able to get good value on the Chark sale, congratulations. On the Thank God, career, J- Thank God JT is not on right now. Marvin oh, yeah. Jones, I, I think, is the best buy. I saw a post on Twitter. I Marvin wish Jones is a nice so I can buy. give cre- credit to them. 
he has beaten his ADP. I think it was one of the DLF guys, Dynasty League. Every players. single year. For like Every past, single year like he's beaten his year. ADP. And it's, it's, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen his again. His ADP is 73. Are you crazy? He's going to finish crazy. a wide receiver. He's going to finish like a wide receiver fourth. And it's going to be – people who have him are going to be happy they have him. And you could probably go out and buy him for not a whole lot right now. What do you think it would cost? I have no for idea. A third? Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, a mid to late third, like he, for a contending team, that's almost. I do a that on the heartbeat. I do that on the heartbeat. Exactly, party. like Marvin Jones is a guy that they went out and signed in free agency. Um, obviously, it wasn't a huge contract. It wasn't the money that Kenny Galladay got from the Giants or anything like that. But he's a guy that produces every single year and has produced every year of his career. Uh, he, I don't think he changes now. If anything, he's going to be t- taking balls from a guy that was the, the highest rated quarterback to come out since. Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, whatever you want to say. So, Dude, LaVisca Chenault, though, easily one of the most underrated players. Mm. The beast. I, I put, I, I, I'm so I alone, you, to be honest. I, um, I don't know how much – like, be in like that 26 to 30 range – or the 25 to 30 range, I think it's fine for him. I don't know if I can put him into like the top 22 receivers. Yeah, I, I can't I, – that's the thing with him is I think – He's receiver 29 right now. I think that is a pretty spot-on valuation of him. I don't think I would – like, I I put him as overrated because if I had to move him anywhere, I'd move him probably down a few slots before I move him up. But uh, I do like LaVisca Chanel. I think he's a very talented wide receiver. I think they're going to do a lot of things with him in in this upcoming year with, you know, Urban Meyer trying to get creative. So, Mm -hmm. overall, I do like him, but I, I, I can't put him up into that receiver two overall range. All right, let's go on to the um to the Titans. This is like a stacked receiving core. Holy crap! Julio, yeah. AJ Brown, Josh Reynolds, Des Des Fitzpatrick. I don't really think we need to say much on Julio and AJ Brown. We all have AJ Brown is overrated, but like by well, what I, I put I put C next to him. I I, cause it, I can't it's the same him. argument. It's the same thing we said about Jonathan Taylor. He's ranked so high that you really can't move him up. Um, but we're all confident that he's going to remain that he's, top five wide receiver at yeah, worst. He's, he's a top so, I don't think he's a top five guy. I'm going to come mm. out and say it. Mm. I don't know how you say that after his his season. Dude, I think never mind well. top five. I, I think he's in my he's in my top three dynasty. You can make a case for two after. See, that's Justin the Jefferson. problem is that AJ Brown. If I had AJ Brown, I would sell him because you can get a wide receiver one, like the wide receiver one price for him, and I'm selling. I'm out. Ooh. You're in the minority, bud. But Damn. all right, maybe really he's like wide AJ receiver Brown. five. I, I'd much rather have Calvin Ridley. Oh, I love I'd still Calvin. rather. You realize the age difference there. Right? I don't care. I don't care about the age difference. I don't think AJ Brown is going to be putting up. I don't care about the age difference the when, when the production. That's ridiculous to expect. I don't he's care about Julio the age Jones. Uh, I don't. I like Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, man. He's a fucking beast, and he's only entering his third season. Like, I'm not an ageist as much as like JT, but man, AJ Brown is. If they're Oof. going to put up the same numbers, which they Calvin probably are, more. no, he's not. There's no. There's he's not. He's just not. So I'll take AJ Brown. I'm with you, Jake. You want to make a pod bet? What? Who's gonna finish higher? 
Yep. Who's next gonna season? Higher? Just next season, or are we? Because yeah, next year. Who's gonna finish higher next year? Are we taking into account injuries? Because both of them had injuries last year. All right, they gotta. If one of them doesn't play, like they have to play like a minimum of like what twelve games, thirteen games. Sure. All right, I'm taking Calvin Ridley. Easy, easy. All no right. question. No AJ doubt Brown, in my mind. AJ Brown, and even if Calvin Ridley does finish slightly better, like it's when the stats are identical, but one guy is like four or five years younger. I'm like, eh. That's what I'm saying. That's the only difference. I believe the stats, the stats are, are be very, like very similar. Difference. Very similar stats, but just, you know, you got to take in the age at some point here. If you're going to think they're going to put um, up the similar stats, you got to take the guy that's younger. I think uh, Calvin really is going to put up way more. Uh, way more. Ooh. All right, then that's fair. Okay. So I, I think, again, um, you're in the minority here. I think Julio's an interesting guy. He's receiver 36 right now. Uh, us three have him as underrated and shockingly, not shockingly, I should say. JT has him has overrated. Him overrated is a little bit low. Which is, which is crazy because he's it's, still it, a top. He, it comes down to injury. still a top it comes, 24 it, year. It, it comes down to health. That's pretty much what it yeah. is. That's the quickest way to put it. As um, a guy that could finish receiver one just as easily as he could finish receiver 36, I think it's it's a little crazy. Um. There's, there's, I think Des Fitzpatrick is pretty interesting. I put him as my backup to own. Um, I liked him coming out. Uh, he was a fourth round pick, I believe. Yeah, he's pretty good. He had a great senior bowl. Yeah. Um, I think 95 is underrated. Uh, everyone else agreed. I put him as my backup to own. Say Julio does get that injury. Uh, or if AJ Brown, I know he got hurt for a little bit last year. If he gets hurt, uh, they lost their tight ends receiving threats. Uh, receiving threat was Johnny Smith. Um, I think he can step into that wide receiver three role. I'm not a big Josh Reynolds guy. Uh, he might start the year as wide receiver three, but like long term, pretty eye on him. Uh, I think Des Fitzpatrick is someone who's interesting. And if you can grab him in the fourth round of your rookie drafts, I love that pick. Yeah, interesting thing about Des is that he has an extremely versatile skill set. He can yeah. you can line him up in the slot. He can play on the outside. You can ask him to fill a whole lot of roles in your offense. So I think that he is a guy that will have a role. Um, it's just, is he going to be able to beat out Josh Reynolds? I do think that Des Fitzpatrick is more of a long-term plane. It's like a long shot at that. But, I mean, you're picking him, what, in the fourth round? So you're you're paying for a long shot price. So Racy McMath, I think, is the only guy that's a bait on this team. I hated his tape. I think he's a jag and a half. He's athletic, but that's really it. But the, these, that's a fake I, name. I, think these, I still think that's a fake name. <laughs> I think these four guys, though, Julio, A.J. Brown, Des Fitzpatrick, Josh Reynolds, that, I think that might be the best receiving core in the league, like hands down. Ooh. I mean, when you have AJ Brown and Julio at the top, it's hard. The, to that top that, duo so. is nice. Who would be second place? Oh no, I'm taking the Bucks. No, no, I'm no. taking I'm taking the Titans. I think Titans. Is it? Me, yeah, that's pretty close. close. It's pretty close. Is Antonio no, Brown still on the Bucks? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I'm taking. That's the close, actually. That's close. I don't know. It depends on what what AB you get. And they, the Bucks might get it in the tight ends because the Bucks have tight ends. Yeah. But let's move on to the True. Colts. The Colts, we All think right. that the Colts are underrated across the board aside from Pittman. We are split on Michael Pittman. Um, JT put him as the most overrated. Uh, I don't I'm disagree with that, that, to be honest. So why – I guess I'm a little confused on why you say he's overrated at wide receiver 43. Um, I think – He's a guy that had second-round draft capital on him. He played well when he wasn't injured last year. He got a 
quarterback upgrade in the offseason. I'm just – why would you say he's – I, I just want to see I don't, what you think. I don't love him. For me, he would be in, like, late 30s range. Like, I'd probably have him at, like, 37, 38. I'm not he's saying not he's, like, a guy that's, like, way underrated at 43, but I do think he is slightly underrated. And to call him overrated, I Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, versus overrated, that. you'd have him in the later 40s. Here's my problem with Michael Pittman. I, I liked Michael Pittman coming out. I still like him to a certain extent. But here's the thing. What I, I Yeah, he was hurt for a large part of last season, right? But I saw a guy that was drafted to play a specific – he was drafted to stretch the field vertically, to almost replace T.Y. Hilton, right, to be a 50-50 ball kind of guy, be an all-around receiver. I think he's a glorified Denzel Mims. He was really only able to make oh, money underneath. Oh uh, yeah, but here's the Ooh, thing, right? I think like on. he's a he's a fine hold, but I can go ahead and sell Pittman for like two seconds, two random ass seconds. I'll gladly do that. I'm out. Like if I can do that, which is what I basically did in our league, like if you're I'm gonna, out. I don't want him. I'll take the two seconds over him. It depends on what seconds you get. Yes, because as we talked about when we did our mock. I love the top half of the second round. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to say that's a bad idea. But I, do I think, think I think two seconds end up, is fine. But if you're going to end up trading him for you know two ten and two eleven something like that, I, I you're just taking dart throws at that point when you probably spent more uh, than, than that in last year's draft to take him. I, I I'm I'm with at that point. Why I'm is I know I know Wentz also likes those kind of bigger body receivers. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to go overrated. I'm not saying he's the most underrated, but l I like him a little bit more than 43. Yeah. Anyways, but I do understand your argument, Frank. This is this is a make or break year for him. I don't think he's a terrible player. Like I, I still like him to a certain extent. The thing is, is that I just, I really didn't think he did anything, and I can still get. It's almost like, you know, you have. Henry Ruggs, you have Denzel Mims, you have all these guys that these people just want to hype up so much for underperforming. It's like I get to get out for the same price that I got in for. I'll take it. Why not? To a, For a similar price at least. Like maybe not the same, but like for a similar price, I get to get out. I'll, I'll take it. I, I don't want in. I'd much rather have Parrish Campbell than Michael Pittman. And it might be straight up, to be honest, because at least Paris Campbell, I've seen it. He just can't stay on the field. I don't hate yeah, Pittman. Uh, I just I, I don't want to buy into him. That's right. We'll see this yeah. year. This is a big year for him. Uh, he is but a moving, huge year. moving on uh, to the other indie wide receivers here. We got T.Y. at wide receiver 82. We got Paris Campbell at wide receiver 64. Zach Pascal at wide receiver 100. And Michael Strachan. Uh, Michael Strand, Michael Scarn, Michael Scarn. That's how you do the Scarn. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that episode of The Office was literally on right before the <laughs> oh this this. So that was in my head. You're welcome. You're welcome for that little bit. Um, <laughs> Dude, I think all those guys are underrated. Like, because I like yeah. Pascal, I like Campbell a lot. I, I still like T.Y. Hilton. So Michael Strand, I want to talk about really quickly, Michael Scarn, because the Colts have been doing this thing over and over and over. We're at the back end of drafts. They just take these uber-athletic dudes from no-name schools. And eventually it's got to work, right? Eventually it's got to work. Yeah. 
Michael Scarn, when I watched him on tape, like I literally called him the Randy Moss of D2 football because teams literally, it's like, we're just putting three fucking guys on him. Like, and he just runs straight. It's just Michael Scarn runs straight. Boom. You just chuck the ball up to him. I actually think he might be all right. And you can pick him up for nothing. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to go in, like, what, the final round of rookie draft? The scorn. That's how you do the scorn. <laughs> that is I hate you both. Anyway, I don't know if you guys have game. anything else to cover uh, on, I, I, on this indie, T, indie T, receiving core. T.Y. at 82, um, I don't hate. If you're able to get him for like a mid-late third, if you're a contender, I might take that chance. Um, he had a really bad first half of the season last year, but over the past, over the last five, uh, six weeks, um, in half-point PPR, he averaged about 15 points a game over the last six weeks of the season. Uh, he finished a little bit better. I don't think, I have no idea how that receiving core is going to turn on in terms of who gets the most targets. Uh, Paris Campbell, I really like he just, if he can just stay healthy. That's the only thing. If Paris Campbell can just stay healthy, I would like him so much more, and I would possibly have him the most underrated. But he just has to prove it to me. So those, those are my two my thoughts on those two guys. Anyways, moving on to the clown fiesta that is the Houston Texans. Um, their receivers are no less of a clown fiesta than uh, their running backs. They got Brandon Cooks, receiver 54, Nico Collins, 68, Randall Cobb, 155, Isaiah Coulter, uh, 156, Kiki Cutie, 123, Chris Conley, 145, and Andre Roberts, not ranked. I I don't really have much to say on this. I mean, I, I think we all agree that the receiver that we'd like in, in, out of this is Nico. Nico and we, 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 we talked about Nico earlier. Dude, I think um, the tandem like between him. Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins and then having Cobb in the slot with Conley as well as a four, like this receiving group is really underrated. The problem is, oh. is that their offensive line is get the booty, ball. their quarterbacks are trash, and they're not going to be able to run the football. So, like, what are you going to do? But I still like a lot of these receivers. It's just, if you're a contending team, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. But, yeah, we talked about Collins. This is a, this is a really slept-on receiver group. There's definitely value here. It's just, when is it going to pan out? Is it going to be this year? Probably not. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about Nico yeah. Collins, how we like him at the end of the second earlier, but that, that's pretty much the only guy. Like, I guess Brandon Cooks, if you're a contender, can maybe sub in some weeks in the flex. Uh, but, maybe. Dude, if you're the Texans, like, you're throwing this year. Yeah. You're throwing. Like, you need yeah. the number one pick. You need a yeah. top three pick. If you, you don't you get gotta, a top three pick, that is a throw. Unless your team is, like, I, I all mean, of a sudden insanely good, which is probably not going to happen. You I, need I would, a, top, a top pick. I would be appalled yeah. and bet a lot of money that – there aren't three teams that finish worse than the Texans. Like they, they've literally, they're literally just replacing shocked. the Jaguars from last yeah. year. Like the Jaguars, yeah. we all shocked. knew they needed a top pick. Yeah, and I'm we expect- all knew they were going to be the worst team. It's the same thing with the Texans. I'm expecting. And then they came out in one week one. Yeah, the and Texans are going to win week one, and they're going to suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways, moving along into the tight end section. The t- the t- this, t- t- this division t- t- for tight end is absolutely brutal. <laughs> I'm just going to run through it really the quickly. And the only guy I saw anyone. Dude, we were Hold talking on. about the I- NFC East with running backs. Holy crap, this is worse with tight the, ends. The AFC East with running backs. Oh, yeah, the AFC yeah. East. 
So I'm just going to run through all the tight ends in this division real quick. And then if anyone has anything to say, we can come back to it. We got Luke, Far Luke Farrell, not ranked. James O'Shaughnessy, not ranked. Anthony Ferkser, tight end 24. Jeff Swain, not ranked. Jack Doyle, tight end 54. Mo Ali Cox, tight end 39. Kylan Granson, not ranked. Brevin Jordan, tight end 30. Jordan Aikens, uh, tight end 59. And Kale Waring, not um, ranked. I really don't have much to say. The one guy I kind of like is Mo Ali Cox. Um, I think he's kind of interesting, uh, especially they don't have like a ton of receiving targets on the Colts, so it's kind of anyone can step up. Uh, he's the only guy I think kind of somewhat. I don't know if I would roster anyone but Mo Ali Cox. Maybe I, mean, I, think, Jack I guess Yoikes. I guess Brevin Jordan's kind of interesting. He's a rookie from. I Miami. wouldn't roster him though. I mean, if I had him, he'd be in my taxi. I'm saying yeah, like, it, I, I think he's a skunks, Brevin Jordan. I think that here's the play with Brevin Jordan. I said on stream, he's going to play. He's going to play immediately. Dude, if he scores a touchdown week one and has like sell three him. catches, you could sell him for way more than you paid him for. I'm out. Bang, stonks. I'll take, I'll invest a, th a fourth into him and I might be able to get a third and a fourth. Bang time. Or like a yeah. third and 50 fab or something. I don't know. Not no shot, but uh, you could you could sell him for more. He scores a touchdown, you cash in, baby. Let's ride. Yeah. Other than that, I really have nothing to say about this AFC South tight ends. Uh, there are a bunch of just jags. I not, think the Colts are interesting, but I think they're they're going to do like a committee tight end group again, which is just going to like the Browns going to screw you. You know. Yeah, I mean. I, Luna said he likes Mo Ali Cox. He's a very athletic former basketball player. Jack Doyle's been around forever. Um, Kylan so, Granson's a glorified Kylan, receiver. <laughs> like, yeah, Kylan Granson's a, a guy that I actually kind of like. Um, I think he's kind of underrated considering he's not ranked. But, he had some hype you know, early on, and that seems to have yeah. settled down. Yeah, so, I mean, overall, this division's kind of a mess. I mean, Anthony Ferkser is getting a lot of hype right now just because – you know, people think that that Titans offense time. is going to be pretty good, and, that, and they the lost tight Johnny end Smith. Is a bait, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Johnny Smith is a much more talented tight end, and he couldn't even finish. Well, much because dude, ninety percent of the plays you're blocking. Like that's the yeah. whole scheme is that you block a crap ton, and you have like one or two plays where they sneak a tight end out, and then you hit him on a big play. Yeah. That's the scheme. The scheme is not meant to George Kittle his ass, where you're throwing to him a lot. The scheme is we block the crap out of you, and a handful of times we sneak you, and then we use your athleticism to beat a linebacker. That's not that's not consistent. And first girl isn't yeah. even as athletic as Johnny Smith. Um, moving on to this last segment, uh, because the tight ends are a fucking wash. Uh, <laughs> AFC South team most likely to overperform. We all picked the Colts. <laughs> I wasn't lying, Frank. Uh, we all picked the Colts. Um, just because so many of their guys are so low. We had most of those receivers underrated. Um, Wentz we had as underrated. So I just think those are the guys, and I think you guys agreed, that are most likely to overperform. No, I'm changing ranking. it. Oh. Frank just wants to be different again. The Titans are the most likely. They have so many guys ranked so highly. How could they possibly overperform? 
How is it possible? <laughs> they have they have a top ten running back, a top twelve quarterback, and and then Jake, Jake, the one the one really high ranking that we agree with is he he thinks his most overrated with AJ Brown. Oh God, go on, let's hear it, let's hear it. Top five offense. Okay. It's a top five offense, man. I don't. Yeah, and they're ranked as such. Oh, oh, are they? Are they? The only player in the top five that I see is AJ Brown. That's it. Oh, Ryan Tannehill, QB fourteen. That doesn't seem very top five. That's not even top ten, dude. Derrick Henry, tenth. Oh, there's nine better running backs than him. Okay. Freaking Julio Jones at thirty six. Yeah, I agree that's underrated. Okay. Go on. Dude, he's closer to Michael Pittman than than freaking actual receivers. <laughs> he's closer to Michael Pittman than he is to, to no LaVisca Chanel. Okay, I promise you, if it was guaranteed that Julio would be healthy for like 75% of the season, he would be much higher. Uh, the Put only reason he's that low is... Sure. Oh my Fursker. god! Get the Frisker. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm sleeping very weird on him. Uh, Any, anyways, but, uh, to to hop down to the team that it, we have to most likely to underperform fan, from a fantasy standpoint. Everyone me, picked the Titans. All picked the Titans, and that's bad take. No. The, the, the Titans, Titans fans know what's up. I, I whatever. I'm, I I already said it. They, they just have too many players ranked too highly to yeah. overperform, and they, they, there's just a more likelihood. Well, I don't hear someone saying that about any of the other good offenses. Oh well, the Chiefs. Well, no, because they're, they're going to underperform because they're also ranked here's highly. The, here's the thing: what what is Derrick Henry going to do? For, I already think ten is fine for him. I might have him like eleventh or twelfth in dynasty bags, and him having another two thousand yard year isn't going to change that for me. If anything, it's just going to be like, damn, even more carries. This one, he got like 360 carries. I might even have okay. to put him the 13. My point is, you turn AJ around Brown isn't this going time, to top two. Right. You turn around this time next year, from a dynasty perspective, Are any of those I would gonna be bet higher? you no one goes any higher. No one's moving up that list. They're only moving down the list. Yeah, it's fine. I'll be sitting there with all the fantasy points I scored last season because this offense is going to be freaking sick. And you have, you have, you have, hold on, let me, let me, you have the Texans over, underperform. <laughs> what is it? The, the receivers are going to underperform. Yeah, from yeah, okay. 54, okay. 68, Fra- 155. This is, I want to hear this. So, Frank, you have the Texans as most likely. I, I love it. I love underperform. it. Underperform. Yep. They don't have a player. <laughs> Their highest rated player. Is Deshaun Watson who is sixteen? Who, is not who we think is underrated? <laughs> They're They're over under is four and a half. This should be one and a half. Like I don't think they win a game. It should <laughs> yeah. be one and a half for their team. How could right? they be underperforming? You want to know how they could be Because I'm not going to roster any of these freaking guys. There's a there's like three receivers that I'd roster. Everyone else, get the hell off my team. Get off my <laughs> team. Right. The problem is they're ranked so low, I don't think they can underperform. They're That's already the at the bottom. They have a number <laughs> next to them. Right, right, every single like one of their players should have an NR next to their name. But I see a <laughs> whole lot of numbers. Any lower. 
It's like the Jets last year. Everyone's like, oh, well, I'll buy into their running backs because someone's got to get the ball. Dude, why? I don't care. You can hand the ball to them 30 times. They'll get half a yard of carry on the en route to Frank a 30 to three loss. Carry. Dude. Frank Gore will always get you three yards three. to carry. Three oh, yards, exactly three. That's it. <laughs> they no they have two no receivers ranked yeah. higher than any Patriots receiver. Yeah, and there's no Patriots receiver that's any good. We're not comparing them to a good receiving core. You put some respect on Jacoby Myers' name. I think I'd rather have Brandon Cooks, but that's the only thing. Nico Collins or Jacoby Myers, Frank? Well, I like Nico Collins a lot, yeah. so. Yeah. Um. But for this year, I'm taking Jacoby Myers. Are you kidding me? Jacoby Myers is going to put up numbers. I actually think Nico Collins might put up better numbers. It's going to be close. It depends how that receiving core plays out. But you're going to the tell me that you Texans want... offense is going to be garbage time heaves. That is and they're the ranked only that way. thing you can hope for. Well, what's going to happen with the Texans? They're going to be playing against Tyrod Taylor defense. A... They might get relegated. Tyrod Taylor becomes good. All of a sudden, no, Davis Mills is out there chucking Wait. the pill. Ty- Tyrod Taylor right. is keeping Herbert They're going on the bench. to be down in every single game this season. They are going to be playing against second and third string defensive teams. How players. did that work for the Jets last year? How did that work for the 0-16 Browns? How did that work for any team that has ever seen? Yeah, but the, Jet, the Jets going into last year, we didn't view as bad as we view the Texans going into this year. Yeah, but you wouldn't. No, 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 because there are people, oh, well, you could draft Denzel Mims. Oh, well, what about this guy? Oh, That's what, what I'm a, saying. What like about Jets, Sam Darnold? I'm, I'm saying we're, we're lower. I'm saying the Jets, even though, like you're saying, like, oh, all those, they let you down. We, no one thought the Jets would be as bad as they were. Like, no one thought, everyone thought they were, what, probably like a five win team? This year, we're all saying going into the year, and the rankings indicate that the Texans are like a two-win team max. That's generous, Lewis. Yeah, I'm being generous. That's because of the 17th game. Wait, wait, I want to show you something before we end the episode because – Hold on. What is the – does anyone know the line on the over-under for wins for the Texans next year? It's four and a half. Oh, can we put a pie on under? Put, we put should. Uh, the, me and Steve both already took the under, but we, I just we should put. Show you, you, you know, you know those podcast funds we were talking about earlier. We just put all of it on the Texans. Just under. slam it on the under. Slam uh, the you, under. If you want to look on the stream real quick, hold on, I gotta move JT over. Yeah, get out of here, JT. JT um, still in the chat. What is this? Probably this is from not. last year. What is this? I'm not watching. What is it? That's an underpick on the Jets at six and a half wins last year. That's a heavy under. Yeah, oh, well, who, who that's my that point. Bag? Is the, that's my point right there? Is the the line was six and a half. The line this year is four and a half, and they have an extra game. Pretty <laughs> yeah. bad. Oh, it's six and a half again. Um. I don't know. I had, dude, I literally, I faded the Jets so hard last year. They were my team I was most confident in to not make the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> like, great. Good for dude, you. you what do you mean, great? You're literally saying, oh, well, who thought the Jets were going to be bad? Everyone thought the Jets were going to be good. Well, no, no. Oh, I'm I saying, literally people didn't think, think they'd be good. I thought good, the Jets were going but, to suck. Look, 
Look at the over-under for the, Texans, have, for the Jets not, last year versus the Texans. Just because Vegas thinks that the Jets were going to somehow be good doesn't mean that I did. You're saying, well, well still, you didn't still, think the Jets you, were you going to be good. You didn't think one or two Since wins when is six and a half wins good? That's still what bad. What do you mean? I literally, Lunas, I literally picked the Jets last year to be the team most confident that they would not make the playoffs. Do, do, does saying, that sound I'm like saying, I think that that's going to be a five-win team? I'm saying everyone <laughs> is lower on the Texans heading into next season well, than we were be? the Jets heading into last <laughs> season. That's what be? I'm saying. That's they're similar teams, though. They're, they're the both Jets, trash. The Jets are How are they going to overperform anything? They're trash. They're going to be trash. Anyways, I think we can leave end the episode on this nonsense that is the Jets-Texans who – it the was Jets rivalry. <laughs> I think the real question is: is if you combine the Jets and the Texans rosters, what their record would be? But that's a different argument. Anyways, thanks for listening, guys. This brings us to the end of episode forty-four of the Third and Twenty Dynasty podcast. If you made it this far, I know it was kind of a longer one. Thank you. Uh, if you want to hear anything, you want to let us know. Send us a send us a. Tweet, send us a comment, do whatever you need. We'll respond. Like us, follow us, do whatever you need. All that good stuff. Thanks, guys.